Mom to Mom podcast. We're three generations of moms who've experienced nearly every season of motherhood. Of course, we don't have all the answers, but you can be sure that we'll always point you to the one who does. We're pouring a cup of coffee and we're chatting motherhood today. Pull up a chair. We're really glad you're here. Some of us love the holidays and everything that comes with it, and then some of us wish we could wake up and have the house decorated, everything wrapped, the food cooked, and the festivities planned, because let's just be honest, as a mom, the holidays can be a tad bit overwhelming. It's not that we don't love our families or the special memories, but the hype and the expectations, the lists, and the to-dos can sometimes overtake us. So today... Consider this episode to be your sanity saver, your power punch list, the tips and traditions that will bring back your inspiration and give you a clear path to the best holidays for you and your family. From shopping tips to planning ahead, we've got you covered. Let's talk turkey or ham, whatever it is that you desire, let's begin with food because it is usually the first thing that comes to mind for most moms. Between school holiday parties to family gatherings, We are the menu makers and generally the party shakers. So what would be your first steps to planning ahead for food for all of those fun and busy occasions? Well, you know, September for me, I love to cook. So I'm, you know, one of those crazy ones that actually looks forward to the holidays. Plus I don't have small children at home. So it's, it's a little bit easier for me, but I know that cooking is not for everybody. And I think the most important task that I've, that's really helped me is to make lists. I make a list for everything. And I try to sit down and plan way before the events and think through what I'm going to need to do. As you know, as the month starts to get busier and, and invitations come in and all that kind of thing, and you realize, oh my goodness, I'm supposed to bring a dish to this thing I was invited to, just start thinking it through write those lists, make your shopping list, the list of the chores that you need to do, what you need to buy. If you're having people to your house, what do I need to clean? You know, if you're somebody that has silver that needs to be polished, I don't know. I grew up with that kind of stuff. Not so much anymore, but you know, things you need to clean or replace, figure out what can I do ahead, maybe prepare and freeze. So it's already done when life starts to get super busy. I also love to shop at the big box stores. If you have one near you, like a Costco or a Sam's or a Walmart, something like that, where you can get food in bulk at a better price. And also, you know, sometimes you're just going to need to buy something that's already been prepared. Even if like me, I love to make everything from scratch, but sometimes you just, just to save your sanity and to save time, get something that's already been prepared And then that way, when an an unexpected event pops up or an unexpected guest shows up, you've got something ready for them. So make ahead whatever you can. And remember, your freezer is your friend. Mm -hmm. And I just want to piggyback on what you said about lists, Kate. I feel like Christmas especially, but I'd, I'd lump almost all holidays into this. I feel like Christmas meals are seeped in tradition. Chances are you probably serve about the same thing every year, or if you're going to someone's house, they serve about the same thing every year, and maybe they ask you to bring the same thing each year. So we have these traditions or habits, whether we, we want to acknowledge them or not. Those meals are very 
habitual. And that might not sound very appealing to, to some, but the plus side of a habit is that with just a little bit of intentionality, they can be put on autopilot. So here's how that looks like in real time. Yes, make your list about what you're gonna be serving for Christmas. Make a master list of the menu and also a master list of all the ingredients that you need to purchase. But then laminate that list and tuck it away in your Christmas box because next year you'll be doing the same thing again. It's not that you can't veer from it or tweak it here or there from each year, maybe last year, or maybe in tradition, you always make a particular green bean casserole. And maybe this year you don't wanna do that. You wanna make a sweet potato casserole instead. But the bones of the menu and the bones of the grocery list will stay the same from year to year. So just put it on autopilot by laminating or tucking that menu that you made into your Christmas box. So then next year at December 1st, when you pull out all your holiday decor, the menu will be on top and you can already start shopping for those things because everything is already done for you. Love that. I'm going to laminate mine. Um, I think most moms, one of their first purchases as a homeschooling mom, or even just a mom off of Amazon should be a laminator. I absolutely love my laminator. Um, I would, to add to that list, I would say, um, pick top three recipes that are yours. In other words, the things that you make that you do well or easy and that people always rave about and make them yours. So they're, they're, they are your three go-to recipes and make them and take them for everything that you go to, whether it's um, a school potluck or a church potluck, what a friend's dinner, just the same three things so that it's um, easy and you're familiar with it and you don't have to come up with something new. And we talked a little bit about that in a previous episode, September. So we'll be sure to include a link to the episode on hospitality where we talk about um, creating that go-to dish that is yours. Right. Yep. And another thing that I do is, you know, a lot of times around the holidays, we create recipes that have some of those weird spices and odd ingredients that are kind of costly. They cost a little bit more, you know, like nutmeg or something. And if you just don't happen to have it, uh, this is what I do. When I go grocery shopping from maybe like August to December, I pick up one every time I go, because if you get them all in one run, it can really add up. So I try to think ahead a little bit, you know, and get like my almond extract, some weird, some of those weird things that I know um, that I'm going to need in November and December. And then I just kind of pop them in my grocery basket every time I go instead of waiting until the last minute. And another thing that I do as far as um, purchasing and planning ahead is I always buy a little extra of the to-go containers like uh, Tupperware, Ziploc bags, things like that, because I can freeze some of my food as I'm making it. And if I have company, I send it home with them. So, and if you're going to an event that, that requires food and you don't want to take glass dishes, then this is a great thing to think about ahead of time. So the big question is, how do we know what to say yes to and what to say no to? There are so many things to choose from. My struggle is I'm a yes girl. If an opportunity presents itself to me, I want to be able to say yes because I just always reach for the fun. And I've found that if that's the kind of holiday that I want to have, if I want to be the yes mom, 
maybe not just for my kids' sake, but for my sake, because I do want to go to that cookie exchange or I do want to go to that special choir recital. What I have to do is I have to recalibrate my end date. And what I mean by that is so often we, we look to December 25th and say, all these things have to be done by December 25th. And if you're anything like me, you kind of can easily procrastinate and you're shopping for Christmas gifts on Christmas Eve. And that's where the stress comes in. That's when you, you have to start weighing your choices and saying, oh, I don't really have time to accept that invitation. I better give it a no, even though I really want to do it. So what I did, I don't know, six or seven years ago is I just mentally shifted my end date to December 1st. I told myself all my Christmas prep has to be done by December 1st. That means the tree is up and decorated. The Christmas presents are bought and wrapped. All the things that I know about ahead of time that will have to happen just because they're a part of Christmas, they're all done by December 1st. That way, during the entire month of December, everything's done, all the necessities are done, and I can give my yeses freely because I'm not scrambling to prepare those kind of um, necessities that have to happen by December 25th. Um, it takes some intentionality. Right now, in the, the months of fall, I'm already preparing. I'm already buying all our Christmas presents so that they can be bought and, and wrapped before that December 1st deadline. I'd also say that um, do your best to avoid FOMO, that fear of missing out. Decide what is your best yes, and don't feel like you're going to miss out by um, maybe giving something a no when maybe all your friends are doing. I remember a couple of years ago, I was invited to a cookie exchange with just a whole host of women, maybe 20, 25 women, but I always host an annual cookie baking party at my house with two or three girlfriends, and I knew that I probably couldn't do both. So I just chose the yes that is best for me. And I missed out on that, that one with the 20 or 25 women, but I really enjoyed the yes that I gave. So you just have to avoid that fear of missing out. I love that FOMO. I've never heard of that. I'm just so behind the times, I guess. I had to write, I wrote that down so I remember it. Okay, so here are the three things that I always ask myself when I'm trying to decide to say yes or no, especially around the holidays, I just ask myself these three simple questions. How is it going to affect my family time? How is it going to affect our health? And how is it going to affect our budget? And honestly, that really narrows it down for me um, in a nutshell. So what are some areas for those note takers before we get to talking about our sanity, because right now we're just talking about the planning. What are some areas to simplify for me, I think just don't feel like you have to cook every single thing yourself and from scratch. And don't be afraid to ask for help. Get help where you can. Maybe there's some other moms in your neighborhood that you can get together with and tackle chores together. Do, you know, just big cooking days together that you can all do. I'm just an example. It's not food, but I'm not good at making those pretty fancy bows for wreaths. And we bought a bunch of wreaths to put on the windows on the front of our house this year. Well, I'm not good at bows, but my neighbor is a bow ninja. I mean, she could have her YouTube channel. She's so good at all that stuff. So for me, it's um, just getting her to help me. She helped, she's taught me how to make them. It was way more fun making bows with her than watching a YouTube video. So, you know, we got to have some girl time and I learned a great skill. 
So, I mean, it's just stuff like that. Find, find people, women that you know that are good at something maybe you're not good at. And then there's probably something you're good at that they're not good at and you can kind of trade off. And another tip, all the big box stores, really all the grocery stores have loads of prepared food this time of year. So take advantage of it when you can and let your older kids help with the food. It's, I think it's a great time of year to get in the kitchen pass on those traditions, especially those favorite recipes, favorite meals that, that by the time they're older, they remember, you know, the wonderful sweet potato casserole or whatever. They want to learn how to make that and help you do it. But I just think it's a great time to just pass on some of those family traditions. And it, you know, you can give your older kids that opportunity to get involved with decorating your house, with trimming the tree, with helping maybe make some decisions on where does this where are we going to put this particular tree this year? Because I, I don't know. I don't know about you, but I have more than one tree. Just one big one, lots of little small ones. But I like to switch up where I put them every year. But, you know, I just think we shouldn't feel like we have to do everything. And for note takers, make lists. Lists of the events that you're having or that you're attending, what you need for each event. Um, and I try to do it as far in advance as I can so I can really think it through when things are still calm before they get crazy. And then that way, if I'm out and about and I see something that's on my list and maybe it, maybe it's on sale and I can grab it right then, even three weeks before I'm going to need it, but I get it, I get it at a savings. And when I get home, the best thing is I can cross it off my list because there's nothing more satisfying than checking it off. Absolutely. I want to add one list to your list of lists, Kate. I think sometimes it's easier to decide what we don't want to do than what we do want to do. And I talk a little bit about this in my book, but before the season starts, make a list of the things that, that drain you about the holiday season. And perhaps in just writing those things down and actually giving it some forethought, what about last Christmas really drained me? Perhaps in just acknowledging that, you'll be able to just give a quick assessment about those things and figure out maybe why those things were draining for you. Um, maybe even be able to come up with a solution that would make those activities a yes activity this year. So for instance, if maybe baking and freezing cookies um, for, or baking cookies for the Christmas exchange was draining for you last year because you, you kind of procrastinated and you put it off for the last minute. Maybe you can decide, well, I'm going to still do that this year. I'm gonna bake them early and freeze them and bring, you know, thawed cookies to the cookie exchange. Or maybe um, you find that you're scrambling at the last minute to string lights on a real tree and, and you fall into the chaos of, of losing your mind trying to get it all together. Maybe you can just decide to buy a pre-lit tree this year. But start with that no list. Determine what really drained you last year and maybe you'll see, you know what, that really did drain me and I'm not going to do it again this year. So make your list and be willing to honor it with a no. And the second thing is um, start early and make a Christmas budget. January 1st, my husband and I create our Christmas budget and we have a separate um, bank account and everything where every single month we tuck away a few dollars here, a few dollars there so that in December we're not overwhelmed because it's more than just gifts at Christmas. It's extra food. It's travel. It's traditions that you want to keep for your kids that might require supplies. It's special events that require ticket purchases and parking fees. And it slowly adds up. And so you have this hurricane of costs 
thrown at you in December. So if you start early by January 1st and tuck away just a little bit each month, then it doesn't become such a financial strain on December 1st. You know, Jamie, as you were talking about that no list, I was thinking back to our introverted mom podcast episode. And I was thinking for any of those introverted moms listening to this, I bet our no list, me and myself included, is a lot bigger than my yes list. And so maybe for the introverts, we should come up with a solution list to our no list, like you suggested, um, and think, how can we do those things that are overwhelming? Because, you know, parties and social events are very those are always on my no list, but sometimes I have to say yes to them. So go back and listen to that episode on the introverted mom if you find yourself in that category. But here's a few of my um, steps for note takers. Um, something that I have learned is one of my greatest frustrating points is there's always these concerts and parties and special occasions and um, plays at church where my kids and my girls especially need like black shoes and little sweaters and tights and black socks and things like that. And it's always at the last minute. So buy ahead, think ahead. Do my kids have what they need for those occasions? And how about this one? Make your hair appointments ahead of time. Two weeks before Christmas, we're all going to take pictures, you know, getting close to the holidays for cards or whatever it is that you do. And all of a sudden you're thinking, oh my word, my children haven't had their haircut in five months and I need something done quickly and then no one's available because all the hair appointments are booked up. So those are just some really practical things that I've run into over the years. And I think, you know what? I need to put that on my laminated to-do list and um, do it ahead of time. My last tip would be this. I always have a few extra hostess gifts laying around that are pre-wrapped for those I may see unexpectedly or for those unexpected things that maybe pop up that I forgot, forgot about, whether it's for teacher's gifts, Sunday school teachers, someone that comes to my home and I'd like to send them out with something. Just today I was in a, um, a beauty supply store and they had all these really pretty like candles with cellophane wrap and a little Christmas tag and they were on sale, you know, for like $4.99. I thought, I'm just going to grab one of those. And every time you go to the store, you might see something like that um, because there are so many things that we have to purchase. And that's the last thing that you're going to find on the shelf are those, are those items. And the last thing you have time to go to the store for. And I would just add to that too, September, if you budget for Christmas way ahead of time, so you're not scrambling in December to pay for all the December things, you can really take advantage of a lot of those sales that happen in December. So you can start buying teacher gifts and kids' birthday gifts when your kids have to um, go to a friend's birthday party and they need a gift. You can buy a lot of that in December at those rock bottom prices and tuck them away because you're not financially stressed buying all of the Christmas things. Right. Okay. So for every mom that's listening and they're thinking, this is great. This is how I get through. Please just tell me now how... I keep my sanity and how I can enjoy these holidays because that's the thing that I'm struggling with the most. Let's talk about that. Well, you could just, you know, fly to the Caribbean or just take a hot bath. <laughs> it's not quite the same, but, you know, I think you need to have a little bit of me time as best you can to just take care of yourself. 
the main thing we want to stay healthy during the holidays. We want to have energy. We don't want to be, you know, freaking out over an unexpected guest or something like that. So try to just, you know, take that time each day with the Lord to just kind of calm yourself and settle yourself. Um, go over things with your family, find out from them what's important and then do the things that everyone wants to do, because there may be something that you're excited about that your kids are like, Oh mom, that sounds terrible or something they really want to do that maybe isn't what you would have chosen, but Hey, they're excited about it. So let's go for it. If you have multiple children, there are going to be a lot more events and things to do, but still, I still think you always have a choice. You can even find out if you've got like September, you've got a, a, you know, a lot of children at home and Jamie, you do too, little, you know, younger ones, maybe find out from your kids, like what are those top two or three things that they really want to do that, that Christmas just won't be Christmas unless we can do those few things and, and try your best to do those. Talk it through with your family as each different event comes up or invitation comes in, you know, just find out because things that you may think, Oh, that's really important to them. When you talk to them, they're going to say, yeah, that's not that big a deal at all. And then you can take that one off your list. One less thing that you have to do. If you have, you know, if you have lots of things coming in, I mean, I think the last thing any of us want is for the holidays to become a drudgery and, and a time of year our family dreads rather than celebrates. I mean, this is a great time of year, a time for family to come together, but we want to be, I think, just be cognizant of what everybody wants and what's going to help them each have the best holiday they can without you losing your mind. That's such great advice, Kate, to actually ask your kids what um, is a definition of a great Christmas to them or what, what do they most remember or most appreciate about, appreciate about Christmas's past? I know my kids would answer just lying under the Christmas tree with all the lights off so that just the twinkling lights of the Christmas tree shine and then going to sleep in their sleeping bags underneath the tree. That doesn't cost us anything. And I would be, um, really quick to dismiss that because it didn't cost me anything. But that's one of their most favorite memories. So I always want to incorporate that into our Christmas plans. But it really does take asking them out loud to find out what they most appreciate about Christmas. I would just add to that, Kate, just acknowledge the kind of mom that you are and the kind of kids that you have. Years ago, um, I watched kind of from the sidelines as my girlfriend, who has three daughters, formulated these elaborate crafts for her girls every day. And she'd post pictures of them having so much fun and the end products. And I'd talk to her girls and they just loved it. Um, their eyes would light up and they'd tell me all about what they were doing. And so I thought, well, I'll incorporate some crafts into our holiday plans. And I, I made my lengthy list of, of supplies I needed to buy and I set it all up and I was met with blank stares and kids who wanted nothing to do with these crafts. In fact, it got to the point where it felt like a drudgery every day, hauling out these craft supplies, and I'd kind of get the heavy sighs and the woe is me looks. And I thought, what happened here? Because there's a disconnect between the response I'm getting at my house and what my friend is getting at her house. And so I was chatting about it with her one day, and she's like, Jamie, you have a house full of boys. They don't want to sit doing these crafts. They want to play games. They want to do active things for Christmas. So acknowledge the kind of mom you are, but also the kind of kids you have and stop putting crafts in front of them. And that was so eye-opening to me. And we don't really do 
holiday crafts anymore because that's just not the kind of kids I have and that's okay. Okay, let's talk money. But just real quickly, how do we keep a budget at the holidays? I know, Jamie, you mentioned you begin in January and set some time aside, but let's go maybe a little step further and talk about that. And also, how do our kids buy gifts? Where do they get the money to do things like that? Those are questions moms ask us. Um, do I give my kids money? Do they earn it? Do they have an account? Um, maybe there's just one or two things we can just send them away with today on maybe keeping a budget at Christmas time. One good thing about this time of year, there are tons of sales for just about everything. And I, I, I for one, do not believe in going crazy with presents. You can, you know, we've got four, well, almost five grandkids and they'll each get a couple nice things, but I'm not getting them each 20 things. Now I'll go a little overboard on the stockings because stocking stuffers are inexpensive. You can get, when you've got four grandkids, nine and under, the littlest things make their eyes light up. So I'm not too worried about them feeling like they didn't get enough because between their parents, us and the other grandparents, they're getting plenty of presents. Um, but I, I just think that in America, we kind of make the mistake of making Christmas all about presents when that's really, we all know that's not really the true purpose of it at all. And it's nice to get presents, but not every family has a huge budget. And what are we trying to teach our children? You know, that it's that we're not trying to teach materialism. We're trying to, this is a, this is about, it should be a season more about giving than getting. And one thing that I always did with our daughter when she was young is, you know, we'll give her a certain amount of money and let's take that and use that for somebody else, for a family in need, or for maybe do one of the shoe boxes. Our church is doing that. We're sending gifts to Haiti and to the Dominican Republic for different folks down there that get nothing. So I think if we can just make it not so much about us, but about what can we do for others, for those that are disadvantaged, that don't have all the things that we have and put some of our money towards that and let our kids start doing that so they can budget and figure out, okay, mom gave me X amount of dollars and I need to either fill this shoebox or do whatever it is we're going to do for this family in the neighborhood that we know there's an issue, you know, with the parents that maybe the parents split up and the kids just aren't going to get what they normally would have. But I think we just need to kind of rethink what Christmas is all about and, and not make it so much about the materialism. Right. Exactly. I think one way to do that, Kate, um, at least in our house, we really try to keep the advertising invasion to a bare minimum. So we don't have a television, so our kids don't really see a whole lot of TV ads. And I know that we're probably the anomaly, but we also don't uh, allow them to sift through those toy catalogs and advertisements that get sent to us in the mail, because really all that does is just sow seeds of discontent. They look through these toy catalogs and decide, you know, the must have item of the year and they have to have it, even though two seconds ago, they didn't even know it existed. So we don't really let them pour through the toy catalogs. I think it's, it's kind of sad. I read a statistic recently that $830 billion are spent every year on Christmas gifts in America. And I just think if, if the point of the season is to remember the humble birth of a savior, I don't want to add to that statistic um, and sow seeds of discontent in my kids. We keep a very limited budget for Christmas presents. I'll just be really honest. 
our budget for each one of our kids is $60. And that includes all their gifts and their stocking gifts. And that's not a whole lot of money, especially when you're talking about the fact that we have teenagers and teenage presents typically have something to do with technology and they're not cheap. But we remind our kids that Christmas isn't a celebration of your birth. It's a celebration of Jesus and his birth. And at your birthday, we will celebrate you and do it well. But at Christ's birth, we're going to celebrate him. So on our Christmas calendar, I make sure that we have opportunities to serve and to give to Jesus and, and ministry because it's his birthday that we're celebrating. But I do want to go back to that, that $60 that I spend on my kids. We're very intentional when we buy Christmas gifts for the kids. You know, um, the wise men set the example of three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so when my husband and I had our first child, we decided to use that as a guide in our own Christmas gift purchases to her. So if you think about those three gifts, gold is something that's very valuable. People want it. So we usually say, okay, that gift, that gift of gold will be something that our kids have wanted. Not necessarily something out of the toy catalog, but something that we really know that they individually value. And then frankincense um, is actually an incense. It's aromatic. It's enjoyed by all those who come near it. It was often used in... Um, spiritual offerings. And so we say, we told ourselves, okay, frankincense is shared by many people. So we're going to buy a gift that can be shared with a lot of people, with their siblings. So that might mean a board game that they can play with a sibling. It might be tickets to something that they can take a sibling to. It might be um, in years past, we've purchased a reciprocating museum pass and it's just one set of passes and I, I fill um, empty cardboard boxes with a little note in each one and wrap it up. And so everybody gets to unwrap something and reveal what the shared gift is, but it's a shared gift that gets enjoyed by the whole family. And then myrrh is actually a healing ointment. It's, it's found in antiseptics and ointments. And at certain times in history, it's actually been more valued than gold because it was so rare. It was used to heal and to cleanse. And so when we were deciding what kind of gift can a myrrh gift be, my husband and I decided that that would be a gift that would build our children's faith. It would heal and cleanse spiritually. And so maybe that might look like buying them a new Bible or maybe a Christian teen magazine or tickets to a concert, a Christian concert, something that would add to their faith. And, and so all of our gifts, the $60 that we spend on each one of the kids, we buy them one gold, one frankincense and myrrh gift. Love it. Love it. Love it. That's what we do too. We do gold frankincense and myrrh and um, the kids actually can give us a little wish list, and I have them kind of write gold frankincense and myrrh. I love to let them kind of make this list because what I have discovered is when I ask my kids to sit down and make a list for Christmas, they don't even really know what to put on it because we don't flood our home with catalogs and commercials also. So they really don't even know what the newest trend is. So when I when we ask them, what do you want for Christmas? Let's make a list and put your gold, put your frankincense. And then I really kind of can get into their brain and think, okay, this is something new for them. They would enjoy this. And um, so that is great. I love those tips. I'll just add to September. 
you know, when you're talking about how you encourage your kids to spend money maybe on each other or on grandparents or how they are able to budget for gifts, we really try to focus our season on experiences and not presents. But we found one way to kind of combine that. We have our kids each pick a secret sibling. So all of their names are put into a hat and they each draw one name. And, you know, part of the experience is trying to keep your name a secret and inevitably somebody always lets it slip. But then they are tasked to spend some of their allowance money, $5 or less, to buy a gift specifically with that particular sibling in mind. So it allows them to um, learn the value of giving at Christmas doesn't break the bank. It helps them to budget their money and to get a sense for um, your money is not yours to hoard. We want to have open hands with it and give it freely. And it also offers just a fun experience to do during the Christmas season. Okay, let's move on before we close to our top three favorite traditions for our families. Um, Kate, what are your top three? Well, they're not super spiritual. They're just more fun because, you know, I have grandkids and just trying to make life fun for them. But um, if there's a production of the Nutcracker anywhere around, my daughter and, and me and my, our granddaughter will go because Franny danced in the Nutcracker many years in when we lived in Florida. And it's just become a treasure tradition. We love the Nutcracker. So we just take little Audrey. The boys would care less, but she loves it. So we always do that. And we have a silly tradition. It's kind of fun, but my mom passed down called Find the Pickle. We have this cute little pickle ornament. You know about that, September. Um, I, they say it began in Germany. I don't know if that's true, but it's this cute little ornament that I hide somewhere on the tree and the kids get, you know, a certain amount of time to find it. And whoever finds the pickle gets a special little prize. And they love that. My grandson's already asked me, are you going to do the pickle this year, Mimi? I said, yes, I'm going to do the pickle. Um, another one that that I've kept since my childhood, we always got what they just called a surprise ball on the bottom of our stocking. I saw my, I found my stocking when I was a kid. It was about maybe 12 inches. It was tiny compared to today. There are these big gigantic things that, you know, that you feel like you need to fill. But um, anyway, it's a, it's a surprise ball. And my mom would put it in the bottom of each stocking and they still make them today. And what it is, it's just a big, a big ball of paper. And, and you unwind it. And as you unwind it, these little presents, little things, they're nothing great, but these little things fall out and, you know, they just appear as you unwind the paper and the kids love them. I get them on Etsy. They still have them on there. And, you know, they, 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 they they've already again asked me about that. Are we going to do the surprise balls this year? So that's another thing that they know, you know, it's a tradition that we do all, every year. So those are just a couple things that we like to do. It's interesting that you should ask this right now, September, because um, as most of you know, my family and I just moved to a new city this year. And so a lot of the traditions that we had put into place when my children were really little aren't going to be able to happen this year. But here's the thing about traditions. They don't own you. They're there to bring people together. So if you're in that same season, or maybe your kids have transitioned to a different age category and the traditions that you made when they were really little just don't really jazz them up anymore, don't cling so tightly to your tradition. It's okay to let them evolve with the season of life that you're in. I do have three that I think we'll be able to carry over even into our new home. One is our advent calendar. And I know a lot of people do this, but we do it slightly different. I, I bought this little 
flannel or felt advent calendar at a craft store about 15 years ago. And it just is this little snowman that has pockets, 25 pockets. And in those pockets, I put little tiny slips of paper. Every day, my kids can each take turns drawing out a slip of paper. And on those slips, um, at the beginning of, let's say, December, actually, it's probably right after Thanksgiving, I make a list of 25 activities that I can put on those slips. And I know that makes me sound like super mom, but here's the, the, the key here. None of those activities are all that impressive. In fact, most of them are things we'd already have to do, like decorate the tree or put up the nativity scene or go to grandma and grandpa's house to open gifts. Nothing is too greatly impressive, but because I'm making it this special little event and putting it on a slip of paper and tucking it in and it's a secret, it sort of amplifies those standard everyday things that you'd have to do for Christmas. I try to rotate the activity so I might have a game we might play, maybe something that we'll bake, maybe an activity we're attending, maybe some Christmas-themed decoration we need to put up, whatever. It's, they're all very simple things um, that we would probably be doing anyway. I've just given them a little bit more elevation by making it this special tradition. And the second thing is I, I made this uh, set of glass ball ornaments a few years ago. I just went to, I think, a hardware store and bought plain, simple red glass balls and a gold paint pen. And on each one of the balls, I wrote a Christmas name of Jesus and the scripture passage that that name is found. And so every night at dinner, I present a, a box. It's just a little gift box to one of my kids. And inside the box is one of those gold or one of those red balls. And they get to draw the ball out of the box and, and read the Christmas name. And then they find their Bible and read the passage. And it's kind of uh, a race to see who can hear the name read aloud in that passage first, and then they get to place it on the tree. So all through the month of December, our tree gets added to each night with a Christmas name of Jesus. And then the last one is when I wrap my kids' presents, I, I always wrap them in a different color of paper. So every single one of my kids has a different Christmas paper, and they don't know from year to year which paper is theirs. For instance, if, if I wrapped some in a red checkered pattern and then maybe others in a green striped pattern, there's five different kinds of wrapping paper always under the tree and none of the gifts get labeled. So my kids look at the gifts and they don't know whose is whose. But what I do as I'm wrapping, I take a tiny little sample of that paper and tuck it in the bottom of their stocking. And we always unwrap our stockings first on Christmas morning. So they unwrap their stocking and in the very toe of their stocking is a, is a swatch of the paper that is theirs under the tree. So only on Christmas morning do they know which Christmas gifts are theirs. And it sort of prevents the whole shaking of the presents under the tree to try to find out what you've received because you don't actually know whose gift is whose until Christmas morning. That's brilliant. Brilliant. Um, our top three favorite traditions for our family are uh, we watch a Christmas movie every Sunday afternoon as a family. And my husband has this tradition he began. It's just um, kind of funny that he came up with this tradition on his own, but we bought these little um, special 
like ice cream sundae cups at the dollar store. They're glass and they have them in plastic too. And he puts eggnog and vanilla ice cream with a little nutmeg on top. And so I had to kind of put a kibosh on that having that every week though we were gaining like five pounds every December. So we watch a favorite Christmas movie on Sunday afternoons. Another tradition that's really special for our family is going to a candlelight service. That's another really special time for us. And then after we go to the candlelight service, we take the kids out to a local um, pancake house and we have pancakes and it's just a night off for me cooking and it's just fun. And then We love to look at Christmas lights. We go around and we kind of um, give them all like numbers and we have an app on our phone that in our town lists all the houses that are decorated really well for Christmas and you can actually rate them on the app and there's like this little contest and it tells you who wins. So that's really fun. Your town might have that also. Um, So that's really fun. Those are some of our top uh, traditions. Just when you begin to think, what is wrong with me? Maybe you're not sending those personalized Christmas cards, baking cookies from scratch, making a gingerbread house, visiting Santa, moving your elf around the house, watching Christmas movies, taking those family photos and the matching Christmas pajamas, although that is really cute. Going on a sleigh ride, decorating a tree, making homemade gifts, attending an ugly Christmas sweater party, singing carols and hosting Christmas dinner. It's not surprising that all that magic and joy can quickly turn exhausting and burdensome for you and your kids. So don't try to do it all. Maybe just pick two or three activities or traditions that are most important to you and make the most of them. Moms, let's remember who or what Christmas is about and that perhaps a lot of times we're just trying to fill a holiday bucket list in one year rather than spacing out that list and making memories for a lifetime. You know, your sanity and the sacredness of the holidays has a value worth making a planned and purposeful approach this year. So let's jot down some of the steps for a holiday startup plan that we talked about today. How about making that no list or scheduling in me time? I loved Kate's idea about those surprise balls. I'm going to be looking for those. And I love Jamie's idea about shifting our to-be-done date, maybe a little earlier in December, so everything's done before the craziness begins. You know, you can listen to all of our Sanity Savers easy prep steps and recipes on our website at momtomompodcast.com. We'll be sure to include them there. Did you know that the Mom to Mom podcast will be traveling this year also? We're part of a panel as featured speakers with a great homeschool convention, so check out our website and theirs, greathomeschoolconvention.com to see where you can come visit us for a meetup. We'd love to meet you. And in the meantime, gather the courage to make a few simple changes to truly enjoy the holidays with your family this year. Don't leave yourself or the reason for the season out. And as always, Kate, Jamie, and myself are so grateful for your time. And for those of you that have so wonderfully shared our podcast with your friends and family.